Please turn to Genesis chapter 30. Today we'll be finishing off the chapter. We'll be covering the rest of chapter 30, verses 25 through 43. I want to start out bringing our attention to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. So Jesus is concerned that his servants aren't the kind of people who take advantage of other people. He's concerned that his people aren't those who prey upon others. We will come across people like that, though. People who just want to use others, want to take advantage of them and use them for their own benefit. But Jesus wants us, his people, to be those who deal with others in love. Because he loves. And he always treated people with love. And as his followers, we are to imitate him in loving others also. And love has to do with what we do, but it also has to do with what we, what we don't do. So we're not to be those who take advantage of other people, but we're also not to be those who retaliate. And that's where we can be tempted to retaliate against others when we're treated wrongfully. When we're taken, taken advantage of, we're not to be retaliating. We're not to be trying to get the better of the situation. When Jesus was here on his earthly ministry, he was abused. He was persecuted. He was crucified. But he always treated his enemies in a, in, a, in a loving manner. He continued walking in righteousness before his father. And Laban had to learn that. Or I said it wrong. Jacob had to learn that. Laban should have learned it, but he didn't. Jacob had to learn that. Now that we're in, in Jacob's life, and this is post-Bethel, Jacob had already gone through Bethel, and I believe that's where Jacob became a believer. Now that he's a believer, he's different than how he was when he was in his father's home. And he's here with his uncle. And he had to learn, even though he was being treated wrongfully, even though he was taken advantage of, he had to respond in a way that showed love, in a way that was patient through that time while he was there. So Jacob had to go to be with Laban in order to get a wife, right? He ended up getting three too many. He left there with four women. But he had to go there to get a wife. But when he got there, he realized that Laban was a liar, that he was a, a deceiver. And as we remember how, how Jacob was, that's how Jacob used to be. He took advantage of his brother. He deceived his father. That's exactly how Jacob used to be. But I would say he's different. Since Bethel, he's different. We do see where he may be reverting back to his old ways as a believer now. But there is a difference in this Jacob compared to when he was in his father's house. And here where he's dealing with his uncle, he has to learn how to honor God even though he's being mistreated. And we're also going to see in this text how God blesses Jacob's work in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the situation that Jacob's in. So this text that we're going to be dealing with today, this is a difficult text. At least it's it's difficult for me. So the way I'm going to handle it, I'm not going to read the whole text and then and then talk about it. I'm going to Go through the text as I'm as I'm teaching here. And 
With the Lord's help, I'm going to try to explain what is going on here. So, Genesis chapter 30, we're going to start reading verses 25 through 30. Starting in verse 25, it says, And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and, and let me go. For you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I also provide for my own house? So by the time that Joseph was born, all of Jacob's obligations to Laban had been settled. That's why he's requesting that he leaves. Remember, he was he was deceived by Laban. He initially planned to stay there for seven years. So he had to serve Laban for 14 years for Rachel and Leah. The commentator Henry Morris figured that all of Jacob's sons from from Reuben to Joseph could have been born within an, a period of like eight to nine years. So by this time, it's probably not 14 years. It's probably more like 15 or 16 years at least. And we can see how Jacob's response would have been now that Rachel had her, her firstborn, had Joseph. Jacob loved Rachel. In Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20, it says, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. So those, those seven years flew by because he was, he was happy thinking about the wife that he was going to acquire. So now that he, he's become a father, uh, many times over, he probably had 11 or 12 of his children by now, but since this is a wife whom he loved, there's something special here. And I'm sure the change began as he was becoming, as he was having children, but something changed in Jacob. He changed from how he was at his father's house. At his father's house, he was selfish, he was self-seeking, he did whatever he could for his own sake. But now that he's a father and he's a husband, He's thinking differently. He's, he doesn't want to just be Laban's hired servant working for a wife. He wants to go and have his own place and, and, and be a husband and, and be a father to his own family. He had been living hand to mouth for, um, for 15 plus years. And, and now he's wanting to have his own place. He has nothing to show for, for 15 years of, of, of work. So he wants to go and provide for his own family. But of course, Laban wasn't ready to let him go. Laban was greatly blessed because of Jacob. God was blessing Jacob and, and the blessings to Jacob overflowed to Laban and, and Laban knew that. Laban recognized that. Of course, he was the type of person that didn't want to acknowledge it, but he knew that he was blessed because of Jacob. Laban told Jacob there in verse 27, Please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. So he might have known this before, but he's actually saying this to Jacob. Now that he's in a desperate situation, he's going to lose his servant. He's trying to keep him there. So he's he's acknowledging what Jacob knew, what anyone and everyone would have already known, that everything he has is because of, of Jacob, because of his hard work, because of God's blessings that he poured out upon his servant Jacob. Laban told Jacob, 
I have learned by experience. And, and in there, there's the Hebrew word being used. It's the Hebrew word, nakash. And it's the practice of using divin- divinations. It's like observing signs. It's looking at omens in order to see hidden things. It's basically paganism. And it's condemned in the scriptures. So here, his uncle is, is, is a pagan. He's using practices that he shouldn't be using biblically, but God's still blessing him for the sake of Jacob. But God's blessing to Laban was obvious. He didn't need to be practicing divinations in order to see that. He could have just seen what what, what God was doing. He, he would have obviously seen that God was blessing Jacob. Even, even Jacob had to tell him there in verse 30. In verse 30 it says, What you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. So before Jacob got there, Laban didn't have very much, very little. But since Jacob got there and started shepherding, started working, now Laban has a lot. And it's all because of what Jacob has done there. So even though Jacob is wanting to leave, he's he's ready to go. He's already taken care of his obligations to Laban. He doesn't owe Laban anything else. He's ready to move on and head back to Canaan. Remember, he was only supposed to be there for a short time to get a wife. Now it's many years later. He's ready to go, but Laban doesn't want him to go. Laban wants to keep him there. He wants him to stay. So Laban says, name me your wages and I will give it. Name me your wages and I will give it. This is very dramatic. This is a very extreme thing for him to, to tell his, his, his nephew. Name me your wages and I'll give it. It's, it's kind of like Laban is signing a blank check over to Jacob and saying, well, fill, it, fill in how much you want to get paid. You tell me how much you want me to pay you for you to continue working for me. And this would have been a great offer for anyone if, if Laban was a, an ordinary person who would, who would do what he said. But Laban was a man who wasn't trustworthy. Laban was, was a liar. This thing that he told to Jacob, name me your wages and I will give it. He already said something like this in Genesis 29:15, When Jacob first got there, like in Jacob's first month while he was there, he said, tell me what should your wages be? So he already said this. But in that period of time that he was there, 15 years or so, he had already changed his wages many times. In the next chapter, in chapter 31, Jacob tells Rachel and Leah that when he was working there for their father, that he had deceived him and he had changed his wages 10 times, 10 times over. So he wasn't a man of his word. He wasn't a man who who would keep to what he what he would say. He's like the stereotypical used car salesman who would come and be dishonest and would say whatever he needed to say just to make the deal. But when he made that deal, he wouldn't follow through with what he said. He lied. He cheated in order to just bring about his own purposes. But he wasn't a trustworthy man. And his dishonesty is obvious. To think about the way he's talking, name me your wages and I will give it. Tell me what what I shall pay you. Yet at the same time, he's known for changing his wages. He's known for not being true to his word. So th- this dishonesty was so obvious to anyone that would know him to where you could imagine he lied so much to where he ended up believing his own lies. He couldn't tell when he was telling the truth or when he was telling a lie. He just said whatever he needed to say. He didn't think about what he was saying. He didn't think about how true it was. He didn't think that he would be called to do what he said that he would do. So he was a liar. He lied so much. He was a manipulator. He believed his own lies. And even though Jacob is ready and willing to leave, he's he's almost out the door. He wants to go. His obligations are all done, but 
like a like a good man, he wants to just not leave. He wants to ask his uncle to send him off, to send off his family, to send off him and his wives and their children and all that he had. He's feeling compelled to stay and give him a final set of set of terms. He's feeling like like he's again being pressured into staying. Uh, again, he's being manipulated to stay a little bit longer because his his uncle just won't let him go. So look there at verse 31. At verse 31, it says, So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you'll do this thing for me, I'll again feed and keep your flocks. So he's saying, You shall not give me anything. He doesn't want any kind of actual payment. He doesn't want any any money. We can imagine this is similar to with Abraham when the king of Sodom came to him and and, and wanted to wanted to bless him, wanted to give him something. And Abraham didn't want anything from the king of Sodom. In the same way, Jacob now doesn't want anything from Laban because he knows what kind of man Laban is. He doesn't want to be obligated to him any, anymore. Laban's money had too many strings attached. So he said he, he didn't want anything from him. Look at Jacob's terms there in verses 32 and 33. He says, Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come, when the subject of my wages wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. So here's what Jacob wants to do. He already said he didn't want anything. He already said, you shall not give me anything. And he already said that he will again feed and keep Laban's flocks. But he's intending to continue caring for Laban's flocks. I don't know how long he was intending to continue caring for the flocks, but how much longer did he end up spending there? Do you remember? How much longer did Jacob end up spending there with Laban before he actually finally got to leave and head back to Canaan? Look at Genesis 31 and verse 41. This is where he's actually leaving for good. And he tells Laban, Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. So he went there for a wife. It was supposed to be a short time that he was going to spend there. He agreed to work how many years initially? Seven years. Well, seven years turned into 14 years. 14 years turned into 20 years. And he would have been stuck there forever if it was up to Laban. Laban worked it out to where he constantly was was needing Laban as Laban was needing actually needing him. So he finally got away from there after 20 years and was able to go back to Canaan. So there are two common interpretations for what Jacob is requesting of Laban. So either Jacob is requesting that the offspring that is born spotted and speckled will be his wages. Or he is requesting or he is saying that the sheep and goats themselves that are spotted and speckled will be his wages. And of course, their offspring will be his also. So it's it's one or the other. And what he's asking for here is the speckled and the spotted of his offspring. These since since the, the goats were traditionally pure black and the and the, the sheep were traditionally pure white, well the speckled and the spotted 
would have been the more rare of them and, and the less desirable of them. He was asking for the more rare of the flock and the less desirable of the flock. He was asking for the, the, the part of the flock that Laban wouldn't have wanted. So this would have been a great deal for Laban. He would have been able to keep Jacob there serving him, working for him, and he would have been able to give him the flock that he really wouldn't have wanted and the flock that he really didn't, didn't have much of. He would have benefited from this deal greatly. If anyone would have, would have lost out on this, it would have been Jacob. And that's what Jacob is asking for. That's what he's requesting. So basically, he's not asking for any kind of money. He doesn't want to be obligated to him in any way. He's, he's just saying, well, g- give me what you don't want. I'll take that. And he was going to trust God. That's the only way to see this. He was going to trust God to bless him with what Laban didn't want. So this would have been a great deal for Laban, especially since everything that Laban had was all because of Jacob's blessing. Remember, it was it was, it was what what he had was very little before Jacob came. He didn't have much at all, and now that that Jacob was there, he has a lot. He has this great flock, as Jacob told. Laban, what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. So this was a great deal for the man who benefited greatly from his nephew. So let's see how Laban responded to Jacob's terms there in verses 34 through 36. How did he respond to his nephew? It says, And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So he knows this is a good deal. He's acknowledging this is a good deal. Then verse 35, so he, this is Laban we're talking about, so he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. So even though this was a great deal for Laban, what was he doing? He was still trying to cheat his nephew. He had, he, he, had, he had a great deal. But instead of going through with it, he's still trying to cheat his nephew. And not just his nephew, but his, his own daughters, his own grandchildren. This isn't the type of father-in-law that anybody would want. This isn't the type of business partner that anyone would want. This isn't someone that you want to work with. This is a kind of person that isn't reasonable. The best thing to do with a person like this is to avoid this person because he's corrupted and he'll corrupt you as well. Reason with someone like this, but if you can't reason with them, realize it's only going to hurt you even more the longer you're manipulated by this kind of person. So what is he doing here? It says that he went and separated the speckled and the spotted of the flock, those that, that Jacob had asked for, and he separated them a three days journey. Someone can read this and think, well, isn't he doing what Jacob wanted? And Jacob said, well, I want those that are speckled and spotted. Couldn't we just read this as his, as Laban is saying, okay, you want those? And he's getting those and he's separating them a three days journey and giving them into the hand of his sons. And he's saying, okay, well, you take care of these. These are, these are going to be for Jacob and his family. Is, is, could we just read it that way? I would say that's not what he's doing. Throughout Laban's time with Jacob, that he, he has never gone out of his way to do anything for Jacob's benefit. Everything he's done was to hinder Jacob, not, not to help him. He wouldn't have done anything to help him. Changing his wages ten times in a period of about 15 years, 
uh, talking the way he's talking, naming your wages, yet he's constantly changing them. He's not a trustworthy man. He's not a man that, that follows through with what he said. He realizes this is a great deal, but he doesn't want Jacob to leave. That's, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to keep him there. So he's not saying, okay, well, let me get your, your, your part of the animals and separate them, them for you and, and you take care of mine as long as you want and then you can be on your way. He is not trying to help Jacob and Jacob's family to leave. He is doing whatever he can to con him, to cheat him, to make things difficult for him. So this is another hindrance to him. He agreed to to Jacob's deal to to get the fewer, the, the less desirable, the more rare the flock. And then what does he do that very same day? The very same day he goes and separates them. A three days journey. So now what is Jacob left with? Well, Jacob's got to fulfill his part of the bargain. He's got to continue shepherding his flock. But he has these pure white and these pure pure white sheep, these pure black goats. It, it's a it's less of a chance now for Jacob to have any offspring out of these animals that could be for his for his own care to take with him when he leaves. So this is just adding more time that Jacob is going to need to be dependent upon his uncle. This is the way he was always treated when he was there with with Laban. But even though he's being taken advantage of. Think about who this is that Laban is dealing with. He's dealing with Jacob. Even though he's being taken advantage of, he's not going to be outsmarted by Laban. We can think, well, is this where he's reverting to his old ways and and what he's going to do here? Well, possibly. Possibly. But even what he does, it it doesn't really change anything. He thinks it is. But it's, it's really the Lord that's blessing the work of Jacob's hands that's actually causing Jacob to get animals out of this that are speckled and spotted. So let's read. Let's read on in the text here in verses 37 through 40. There are a few things that Jacob does now that he he doesn't have any more of these speckled and spotted animals. Now he he only has the white and the, and the black of the animals. It doesn't look like he would. The chances that he's going to get any offspring for himself to take with him is, is much more rare now. Even though surely he'll take some, but it's not going to take much. Not, in, not enough to sustain three wives. 11, 12 children, all of his servants, himself. So verses 37 through 40. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters and the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them in with Laban's flock. So this is a very interesting text. What he's doing here is Jacob believed that the color that the animal would look at while mating and conceiving would actually affect the color of the animal's offspring. The animals would go there to the, the watering troughs and, and they'd drink and they'd, they'd mate. And so he put these, he got these sticks and these branches and he peeled the outside layer of them so the white would be exposed. So now there's these, it looked like spotted 
It looked like streaked sticks of wood, white and black. And so Jacob is, is he's thinking that as they come and, and they drink water and as they mate there and as they conceive that they're going to be looking at these different colors and it's going to somehow uh, cause their offspring to be that color. Of course, this this is not scientifically provable. There's no evidence for this. We look at this and we can think, what was he thinking? Why did he think this? Um, what, what was he doing? But he thought this would work. And you know what? It worked. But not because of what he did. Not because of the strategy that he did, but because of God's blessing upon him. God already said he would take care of him. He would take care of his descendants. He would provide for him. And we'll come to it in the next chapter. I'm not going to go there now. But but he mentions to to his wives, Rachel and Leah, that every time your father has switched things up on me and changed my wages, God still blessed me. And God didn't allow Laban to, to hurt me. So here, what we're seeing here is not that these strategies work. What we're seeing is God is blessing Jacob in spite of an uncle who is conning him and taking advantage of him and hindering and hurting him. And in spite of Jacob's own lack of understanding in, in, in how to truly breed animals, God is helping his servant. God is, this shows that our God is faithful. Our God is faithful to his people. In spite of your situation, in spite of our circumstances, God is faithful. You may look at your situation and see, I don't see how God is going to take care of me here. I don't see how this is going to, this is going to work out for me. But if your heart is right, if you are the Lord's, and if God chooses to help you specifically in that situation, there's no obstacle that, that will keep God from helping you. There's nothing that can hinder God from showing his faithfulness to his people. Another thing that Jacob did is right, right there, it says, he also faced the flocks toward the street and all the brown of the flock of Laban. So he's, he's actually facing the, the, the flock that he's shepherding, that he's trying to breed. He's facing them to, to the flock that Laban had separated. And how far is this flock that Laban separated? A three days journey. So the flock can't even see the other flock, but he's facing them in this way. So I don't know if he's prayerfully doing these things and he's just trusting in God and, and asking the Lord to, to help him as he's trying to do whatever he can. Or if he thinks, well, maybe this is a, a new science that I'm learning and I mean, we don't we don't know what's going on, but but the Lord does bless Jacob. Another thing that Jacob does is there we'll continue reading verses 41 to 43, the rest of our text. Here we see another thing that Jacob does. And it came to pass whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in so the so that the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. So here Jacob is practicing this form of selective breeding. He's putting the, these sticks that he's peeling the, the edges of them, these sticks and branches, he's putting them before the animals that are stronger when they are mating, but when the feebler ones are mating, he's not putting those there so that he would so that the ones with the, that are speckled and spotted and streaked, so that those offspring would be his, and of course the ones that aren't, the pure white, pure black, end up being Laban's. And the ones that are pure white and pure black are the feebler ones, whereas the speckled and streaked and speckled are the stronger ones, and, and he gets the stronger ones of the two. So this is all that, that Jacob is attempting to do, and 
and uh, and and it works. Maybe he thought it worked because of his because of his genius, but truly it worked because of what the Lord was doing. And even in the next chapter, uh, he'll say that that God was the one that was doing it. God was bringing it to pass. I'm just saying that maybe he didn't realize it right away. You know, sometimes it takes us a while to realize. This isn't working because of my sheer ability and my good willpower. This is really the Lord doing this because if it was up to me all by myself, I would fail. But sometimes it takes a little while for us to get that. Sometimes we're doing something, we think it works, we think it works because it's working. Because it's working, we're not looking to the Lord. We're not being prayerful. Our hearts aren't directed to God. It's We're just about doing whatever we think is is working. And, and we're focusing on whatever we're trying to do. Sometimes it takes a little while for us to realize the Lord's doing it. In spite of me, in spite of my inabilities, God is the one who's really working on my behalf. So that's our text. Uh, I just want to close with four applications. Um, I, I didn't have much um, to share with this, but four applications before we're finished. The first one is going to be avoid being like Laban. Avoid being like Laban. Laban was the kind of person that would do whatever he needed to do in order to make the deal. He didn't care much to what he would say. He wasn't mindful of his words. Remember our Lord Jesus said that even our careless words would be judged. We need to be mindful of what we say. We need to be responsible. This is what Laban didn't do. He didn't take ownership of his words. He wasn't responsible for what came out of his mouth. We can't take ownership of other people's words, but the things that we say, we should be responsible for those. It says in God's word, therefore, putting away lying, that each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So let's beware that we are not like Laban. And some of us can have a temptation in that area more than others. And I would say if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have a temptation in that area to be slack with your words, maybe even to lie, maybe even to, to deceive others for your own benefit, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It, it doesn't honor God. It's not good. And, and the God who loves his children will deal with his children who disobey him. So another another point, another application is that we should avoid being manipulated by people like Laban. If, if we're dealing with someone like that, don't be naive. There could be something within Christians to want to always be kind, to want to always give the benefit of the doubt, and we should be that way. But there are some people like this Laban character and like Laban's today who are unreasonable. We should try to reason with them. We should we should seek their good, right? We we want the good of all people. We should seek their good. But some people they'll just say whatever we want, whatever they think we want them to say, because there's 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 some ulterior motive going on in the background that we can't see. But the longer we're with these kinds of people, we'll realize this is a Laban I'm dealing with, and the longer I'm in this situation, the more hurt I will be. Don't enter into business with people like this. Don't work for people like this. Don't hire people who are like this. Don't marry people who are like this. But if you're married to someone like this, of course, you cannot leave that situation. With God's help, you need to stay there and, and ask the Lord to help you. But if you can avoid people like this, do this. It's for your own good. And I'm saying people who are unreasonable, you, 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 can't, you, you can't help them. And they will only hurt you. Remember the verse, bad company corrupts good behavior. They'll sweet talk you and promise you the world while they're secretly trying to take advantage of you and to use you for their own benefit. So let's not be naive there. The third application would be that we are to treat other people the way that we want to be treated. 
Don't render evil for evil. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So even though Laban was difficult for Jacob to deal with, I like what Jacob said there in verse 33 of our text. In verse 33, what did Jacob tell him? Well, he said in there, he said, So my righteous will answer for me in time to come. My righteous will answer for me in time to come. Jacob is expecting that what he does, that his work is going to be looked at, and especially be looked at by the Lord. But it's going to be looked at by Laban, by everyone, and he's saying that his righteousness will answer to him in time to come. As I said, this is a different Jacob than what than the Jacob that was in his father's house. The Jacob that was in his father's house, he had no concern for his righteousness. He had no concern to, to do what was right. He just he just lied. He was selfish. He just wanted... He just wanted to to have done whatever he wanted to do. He could care less of who he was going to wrong, even his own brother, even his own father, even his own family. This is not the same Jacob. This is a Jacob who is trying to do what's right. No matter what the circumstances is, he still tried to do what's right. And we can think, well, when he's peeling the, the, the strips out of the branches and the, and, the, and the sticks, well, that's not trying to do what's right. He's, he's, connive, he's trying to connive his, his uncle here. Well, for one, we know that that didn't actually do anything. But even if his heart or his intention was into, in it to do something that wasn't right, well, that was a small part, I would say, out of 20 years of service to his, to, to his uncle. And then when you read when he's going off on his uncle in the next chapter, in chapter 31, there's a time when he goes off on his uncle and he just, he just tells him of everything that he did and, and all the suffering that he went through in order to take care of Laban's flock. It, he did Laban a lot of good. This was a man that Laban greatly benefited from. So we, we should seek to be that way. Even when we're treated badly, even when we go through situations, circumstances that are not good, we need to con- continue to walk with our Lord in righteousness. Continue to obey God. Continue to do what's right. Not fall into the temptation to lie or to cheat or to, to do wrong for our own benefit. 20 years of service was a very respectable thing that Jacob did for his uncle. So the fourth application I have, the final one I have is that we are to remember that God is faithful to keep his promises. God keeps his promises, even when it looks like God can't come through right here. Even when we think, in order for me to be helped in this situation, God has to do this or that. God needs to to fix that person in order for this to happen for me. God doesn't have to do anything the way that you think he has to do it. God can fulfill his promises according to his own way. And then as you look back on it, you'll say, wow, God did it that way and it worked and, and, and the Lord did it. He is good. He is faithful to his people. He doesn't, he is not dependent upon any kind of certain circumstances in our lives in order to be faithful to keep his promises. God kept his promises to Jacob. God did what he said he would do. God took care of Jacob. God took care of his descendants. God eventually is going to, in the next chapter, get them back to Canaan. But it just takes our patience and our trust in the Lord in the meantime. Constantly looking to the Lord and constantly being patient upon him. This chapter ends reading in the last verse of this chapter about Jacob's prosperity. That's not the way Laban would have had it be. He would have had, he would have been continuously making it difficult on Jacob and taking away the flock from him and keeping him dependent upon Laban. But he's leaving there with all these flocks and, and his, his wives and his children and his servants 
this is a wealthy man in that time. And what did he have to do? He had to serve a, a difficult 20 years. It was a difficult 20 years. But in that time, that, that period of time, people couldn't have gotten that rich. It was the Lord's doing. It was the Lord's doing. Maybe not the way Jacob would have had it done, but the Lord did it in his own way. And, and it, it, it turned out, it turned out being good for Jacob. So we know that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. But God doesn't keep his promises to everyone in the way that we think that God would be good to everyone. God keeps his promises to his people. God keeps his promises to those who are his, those who are following Christ, those who love the Lord. Those are who God keeps his promises for good to. If, if you're in here today and, and you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would say, why not? Why are you waiting? Why are you risking putting that off? That's not something to be putting off. That, that, that is not something to be putting off. Your, your soul is, is worth too much for you to say, well, I'll get right with God another day. When Jesus has already made the way for you to be right with the Father, He already died on the cross for, for sinners to come to Him. He already paid the price to make things right between you and your Father in heaven. Why would you put that off when you can come to Christ today, when He has done it all? You, you think, well, I'm too dirty. I need to clean myself up a little bit. That's you, you will never be clean enough. If you're too dirty, you go to Jesus in order to get clean by Him, not by yourself. You cannot make your you cannot make yourself clean. Someone can think, well, I'm just not ready. There's there's something that needs to happen in my life first, or something that I need to do first, or something I'm trying to. I need to fix this situation first. I'm just not ready. Again, you'll never be clean enough, and you'll never be ready enough. You must come to Christ today. Come to Christ. He'll make you ready. Come to Christ. He'll make you clean. Come to Christ today. And if you come to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, letting your idols go, putting your trust in Jesus and following after him, you'll find his forgiveness. You'll find that he's faithful to keep his promises. You'll find that he's merciful, that he's a God of love, that he cares for those who are his own. Come to Christ today. I think of the hymn that says, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. So in this story, what do we see? But we, we, we see that God is faithful to Jacob. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of, in spite of his, his uncle Laban, God was faithful to Jacob. In spite of Jacob's bad science, in spite of Jacob's ignorance, God was faithful to Jacob. Jacob made this deal with Laban that would, that would make it very difficult for him to have any flock when he left. And Laban goes and takes those away in a three days journey, hinders him even more. Yet God was faithful to Jacob. And God is faithful to all of his people. This is a story not of Jacob and Laban kind of just trying to fight with each other and get the better out of the two. This is a story of how God is faithful to his people. And we have the blessing and the privilege of seeing what God is doing in his people's lives right here. Well, let's pray.